the mystery of this church that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5 and you say I I see a few people looking at the outline (laughs) we've done this (laughs) that's right (laughs) but not looking at it as as one of the mysteries and it was back when it's on the it's actually got the 28th of January last year (laughs) and so We read in chapter 17 and verse, uh, well, start with verse 4. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colour and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your, the truth of your word and the understanding we gain from looking into it and the warnings that we receive even from this portion tonight of seeing something like this monster develop in our day and into the future. Lord, uh, make us be aware, alert, and uh, take action accordingly. Lord, bless the word to us tonight. Be with those that couldn't make it, and maybe because of illness, or Lord, they're working. We just pray be with them and minister to their needs this evening. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. reminds me that as Christians we should earnestly contend for the faith as Jude did say so we have this uh, it might be the 10th mystery that we're looking at the mystery here is revealed in chapter 17 of this church we could hardly call it a church could we (laughs) this part of Christendom that is depicted for us here There's a lot ties in with this. Since way back when time started, man has been in the business of trying to get by without God. And this system has been developing almost from that time. And um, it's coming to fruition and full bloom in our day. Man rests on his own power, on his own accomplishments. He trusts in them, his own ability to produce and enjoy pleasurable things, and his own religion. And that's what we find here. And when we went through this, and we're just going to go through the outline that you've got there, quick, Lord willing, quickly, (laughs) um, we went through it and we just mentioned a few books that would probably be wise for you to read to get the gist of, of this. And um, <clears throat> some of you may have them. And that, that's that one, the two Babylons. And there's the city Babylon and the, the organisation that's Babylon. Huh. The, the system and this mystery that we see here tonight, um, the system set up. 
Um, if you haven't, we could loan you as long as you get back. That one, the two Babylons. So the city. Who was it that built that one? Way back in Genesis, chapter 10. Nimrod. It's just, I was actually reading in the Herald of Hope today an article, I think it's February's Herald of Hope, and the archaeologists say that Nimrod built Nineveh. And uh, uh, Brother Ekov did an article of how that no, Asher built Nimrod. All the modern versions say Nimrod built Nimrod, I mean, built Nineveh, but the King James says Asher did. And it's interesting to note that Asher moved 450 kilometres north to where Nineveh was to build another city when Nimrod started building Babylon. And it seems like he took a stand, and I'd say there were been a few arguments in him leaving, because Nimrod wanted to get everyone together and keep them together, and Asher moved up. And you know, Asher's from Shem, the godly line. And it wouldn't surprise me when we get to heaven, we'll have to talk to him. Why did you leave Babylon? <laughs> well, they were building that tower to reach under heaven and be like God. And that system started way back then. And he took a stand and went away and built Nineveh. And, and in the article, it's saying that the, the Assyrians that come from Nineveh and their language have a lot in common with Hebrew, the Hebrew and it was just a by-the-way comment that it may well have been he took the original language that they all spoke and he didn't get mixed up in the tongues thing down in Babylon where the nations come from. Just a thought. And I hadn't seen it before, just a few simple things put together there in an article. So <clears throat> that was the city of Babylon. And it was in defiance to God's command to go and fill the earth, to spread out. So there's a city and the system. So in chapter 17 and 18, we have this parenthetical portion that we mentioned when we were looking through it, an expansion of the seventh vial of chapter 16 and verse 19 of the book of Revelation. Um, <clears throat> we'll see the destruction of this religious Babylon, this political system. In chapter, in chapter 17, we see that. And chapter Chapter 18, you see the destruction of the economic Babylon that's mentioned there. And so in the, in the outline there that you have, I've got one here somewhere, <laughs> the um, harlot, the Babylonian harlot described in this last, one of the last later chapters of the Bible in Revelation. Um, <clears throat> we see her control in verse 1, as we read in Revelation 17, there came out of the seven came one of the seven angels who had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me come here and I'll show you unto you the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters and uh, many nations that this one dwells as it were over um, <clears throat> this system will involve all religions all of them all of them in together. That'll be... And cults, throw them into. And Islam, throw it into. Buddhism, Hinduism, put them all in there. And this will be a, somehow the, the devil will get them all together in one big 
religious system under, as it, I believe, the Roman Catholic Church. And so her, her control is seen to be worldwide over the kings of the earth, over the nations of the world, over many waters. And in verse 2, it's just, um, moving quickly through this thought, the, her corruption is seen, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so the seduction of this system, according to this verse, the entire world will come under the spell of this end-time religion. Kings and leaders and peoples of all sorts of the whole world. And in the church age, it really started with Constantine in about 300 AD, but it has been going for a long time prior to that. Uh, we could talk about the, th the things that they, they had back in the city of Babylon, uh, mother, son, worship, um, <laughs> Christmas trees, not called Christmas trees then, Easter eggs and all that stuff, you know. We well, go into that and it, it is from back there and some people refuse to celebrate any of those because of that connection, knowing the, a bit of the history. But uh, we know Christ was born sometime and Christ died at some time and we do celebrate those times. So <clears throat> we see her corruption and we see her compromise in verse 3. So he carried me away on the, in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-coloured beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And if it was only that and didn't have the rest of the chapter, we wouldn't know what that was. But we do have the rest of the chapter. And so <clears throat> the compromise here. The woman sitting on the beast. The woman representing religion sitting on the beast, representing the, the kingdoms of the world. And if you're sitting on a beast, you're usually in control of it. You're usually directing which way, like sitting on a horse. You quite don't have a control over a bull or <laughs> bull riding. But it's, the, the thought is that there's a compromise that's happened between religion and the rulers of the world. And full of names of blasphemy, as it's mentioned there. Um, verse 9, notice there, when and the, here is the mind which hath wisdom. Uh, understand what this is talking about. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And so the seven mountain city. And most people believe it to be Rome. I believe that too. And so her compromise. And all the compromise that has to happen. And there's a, there's a dulling down, there's a dumbing down of doctrine today, isn't there? What you have to do is if somebody comes and they've got a doctrine that the rest of the church doesn't have, you don't preach on it because you'll offend them. Then someone else comes and you don't preach on another one and another one until you get to the point where churches are today, they don't preach on anything <laughs> so they don't offend. And that's the compromise that's going on. And the, the pressure's on the preacher to keep numbers instead of the truth being taught. And the pressure is on in many situations. So the, her compromise, all in together, boys. <laughs> I mean, that is so loving, isn't it? Where's the standard? Say? Where's the standard? There's the truth. Where's the Bible? Out the window, John. <laughs> you know, you can put your arm around and say, 
I love you, brother, um, whatever, Buddhist, Islam, Muslim, JW. We love them, but we hate what they're teaching. We hate the false doctrine. God hates it. We ought to wish his children hate it. Okay, the fourth one there, under the harlot described, is her costliness and carnality. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colour, decked, (laughs) decked out. That's the saying we use today, isn't it? Deck it out. Uh, With gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup. Can you imagine a harlot all dribbling with this stuff, (laughs) hanging off her? We deck with all these things. And a cup in her hand full of the abominations of the filthiness of her fornication. Spiritual fornication. Spiritual compromise. But we see her costliness and carnality there in the way she dressed, purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones. A great religious system. Where is the other reference to this one in the book of Revelation? should know it by now. We went all the way through it. Chapter 3 and the last verses there. Thou thou are increased with riches. The the Laodicean church um, be decked with all sorts of things. And have no need of God. Because the Lord's on the outside knocking to get in. As you come to the close of chapter 3. And so they've got all this stuff. They've got all these possessions. And when we went through this we did notice that um, the Catholic Church owns 179 million. I remember, yeah, 179 million acres of land. The closest to them is someone, a group of people in Canada that own 78 million and then the third one next in line is Gina Reinhardt with 27 million acres worldwide. They are very, very rich and they've got not only the land, they've got the things that are on the land and they've got the things and unsafe people, if you want to read it, have put a thing together on this, what we had the look in the commission into the churches and the corruption about they can afford to pay the victims. They're saying, if you keep on hassling us like this, the Catholic Church said, we won't be able to keep our social programs up. And and these unsaved people looked into it, and they said, of course they could keep it up. (laughs) They got riches beyond beyond the bank. Who knows, they might own a few banks, and they own a lot of these gambling places too. Uh, The Catholics. I think the... The Thaguna Golf Course, it's owned by them too. It's all Catholic, isn't it? Okay, Liverpool Catholic Club, there you go. They must have bought it off some time. So, <clears throat> yep, riches. They're corrupt with the riches and the things that they have and they've been corrupted by, the th- by this very th- thought. You know, when, when you have so much, you think you're above the law <laughs> and you can tell governments and people what to do. So that's the costliness that we see here. Now I've moved all my pages. We've got seven on one and one on seven. Here we go. Get them sorted out. <clears throat> um, we go next to the caption that we are looking at tonight in verse five. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery 
Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. If I say, if a, a, a person in the world, non-Christian, says the mother of something, what do they mean? Say? The one who gave birth. Okay. The originator. <laughs> the, the mother. This is the one that's a lot of this rot and stuff is coming from. And it's mystery, Babylon, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And so as God sees this, this is a real compromising, carnal, controlling um, group that's come right down from Babylon, the city. And it's in the heart of man to do it. And they love it to be so. <laughs> Even amongst the Jewish people. When they started compromising and that, the people love to have it so. When the priests and the prophets, and there's another P, and the princes, they started compromising. The people loved it to be that way. Because that was in their heart to do it anyway. But there needs to be somebody stand up like a good prophet. <laughs> a godly prophet and a godly preacher to speak against these things that are coming forth. And so you have there the caption, Mystery Babylon. Um, <clears throat> I did have, yeah, I was supposed to hold that one up a minute ago. A woman rides the beast. That's back there. Where the woman is riding the beast. And just talking about the... <laughs> multi-billions and that was written quite a, quite a time ago they'd, be double, they'd have double the money by now um, the Vatican billions the two Babylons and the seduction of Christianity and uh, you know you might not agree with some of what's that Hunt and another man wrote that one but they warn people they warn the church about this sort of thing coming and uh, we read in verse 6 her cruel, of her cruelty. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. He didn't admire her, but he wondered with, as it were, great wonder. How can this be? John saw what he saw at the end of time when this thing would come to fruition and come to a head. He said, how can it be? that God would make something so good, so pure as a church, and then it become this monster, this mystery Babylon. Um, <clears throat> the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And if you're, if you're in one of those systems or in one of those churches, many people just stand up and defend what they do. It doesn't matter what the Bible says to them. They just don't care what the Bible says anymore. They don't care what God says. And that's a real, that's a tragedy for them eternally and even tempor temporarily down here because they get mixed up with all sorts of different ones and different, different organisations and people. And so her cruelty, uh, what book could we hold up? I didn't bring it if we had one. <laughs> Fox's? Book Fox's Book of Martyrs. And a lot of... Th people being martyred now and they say if there's another one written there'll be more martyrs now than then so drunk with the blood of the and, and John said wait, wait, wait a minute <laughs> this is calling God their God and they're killing godly people Bl drunk with the blood of the saints 
and he wandered. Uh, <clears throat> and it's not finished yet. When this one rides the kings of the earth to power in the near future, there's going to be mass martyrdom. Mass martyrdom. Anyone who doesn't receive the mark will be beheaded if they're caught. Praise God, a few escape because they get out the outer end. There are a few that survive that seven years. And so we see the caption that's over her. Mystery Babylon and her cruelty. Seen there. <clears throat> now we get to the verse 7. And the angel said unto me, Why did thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carrieth her that had seven heads and ten horns. So we see the Babylonian system described here. He's going to tell us what it's all about. The beast that thou sawest and was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life of, from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. The believing people who haven't received the mark are not amazed at what happened. Why? Because they know the Bible. <laughs> they know that this will happen. They'll know that either he will feign death and a resurrection or be for real that sa Satan does this to his man. This beast that's talked about here. And so it's speaking there of his, as it were, death and his resurrection. And uh, the world wanders. And hey, Jesus Christ came. He died. He was buried. He rose again. Did the world marvel? I try to cover it up. But when the devil does it, and the devil's man does it, they all marvel and say, isn't he wonderful? Well, not all of them. <laughs> Praise God, not all of them. And, uh, <clears throat> but they say, he is wonderful. He must be God. And he deceives many, many people in doing that. And so the beast is described here as one that has seemingly died and rose again. We, uh, we noticed when we went through that, whence the beast come from, speaks he, he's an emperor, not an empire. Why the beast came to deceive the world. Where he come from, verse 9, he come, the beast has power, as we read there, he, he, and here is the mind which hath wisdom, the seven heads which are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, riding to power with this one. And in verse 10, and there, there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and it's, I believe, it's Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece. One is, when John wrote it, Rome. The other is yet to come, the revived Roman Empire. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, back from verse 8, he, even he is the eighth and is of the seventh. They're there together. And uh, it's a revived Roman Empire and he's part of that. And goeth into perdition. He's going to be thrown into hell. And when and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings. Now, that's why I say this interprets itself. Who have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. It hasn't, this hasn't happened. To, as far as John is concerned, the one that was was Rome. The one that will be in the near future is the Rome, revived Roman Empire, as we say. 
and they receive these ten kings, and it's all in the book of Daniel as well, as the rest of the book of Revelation. One hour, a short space with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength to the beast. And so these kings, these ten kings, get right behind the Antichrist, the beast, the one that, as it were, died and rose again. And notice what these do. They, in verse 14, and um, that's the Babylonian system described, um, well, down to verse 15, these shall make war with the Lamb. And who is the Lamb? The Lord Jesus. And the Lamb shall overcome them. When does that happen? Right at the end. Armageddon. End of the tribulation. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And that's exactly what it says in chapter 19 of Revelation, just, just one chapter away from here. And they that are with him are called chosen and faithful. That is, the people that come with the Lord Jesus, the King of kings, are called chosen and faithful. Who are they? Us. Believers. Already gone to heaven. Raptured. And he said unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore, the mystery Babylon, sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So a right to say that that where she sat and where she ruled over and governed and the ten kings as well were many nations, many peoples, probably all. And we go down to see the Babylonian harlot decimated. This mystery Babylon is going to be decimated. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, shall, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. You know, <clears throat> you, I, I've never been to a rodeo. Some of you probably have. But I think they're mad to hop on those bulls, but that's what they do. <laughs> and they goad the bull on as well. Give him a kick start. And out he comes, kicking and bucking. And uh, most of them, well, if they haven't had a personal one before, they're, they're wilder than ever. But if they get used to having one on, they might not buck as much. <laughs> but they come out there bucking and kicking, and what are their whole purpose is to get rid of the person, the rider on the back. <laughs> and this is no, no different to what's going to happen in this rodeo. <laughs> About the middle of the tribulation, a little bit later, this, uh, this beast with ten horns, this bull with ten horns will come bucking and kicking, get the old woman off, and then he'll fix her up. <laughs> He will goad her, gore, gore her, or whatever they, the bulls do, and absolutely decimate her and take everything she has off of her, all her lands and all her riches. It's not going to do them much good anyway, but that's what they do. And uh, they get rid of this mystery. You see, God uses his enemies, two of them, <laughs> to fight each other. And that's, he, he uses that. At the start of the tribulation too, with the Islamic nations that come down on Israel, they use the enemies. They become enemies and they kill one another. And uh, but he he has the final sword in hand, the Lord Jesus, to finish things off. But this mystery Babylon is decimated. God gets rid of her. God absolutely hates her. Now, if that's the case, and we see that developing today, and in most churches they're not teaching the truth. And it would never say anything like this tonight. What should Christians who love the word do? Tell people about it. Tell people about it. Pray. Pray. There's something else that's very important. It starts with S. 
<laughs> separate, separate, stay, come out from her, uh, come out from her, my people, come out from among her, my people. Don't go. If you ever move from this church, don't go to a church like that, or that's going down the pathway. I know the slope gets pretty slippery today and fast. You know, go to America and uh, Pastor High and other missionaries have gone there and come back. Some of them come back with the slippery slope in their heart. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get on board with this because this works, you know, because it's church full. Some come back just, oh no. Some come back having had to change churches, their sending church, because it slipped so far and so fast within four years. So we need to come, come out. And the last verse, verses there, for God hath put it in their hearts, these kings, this revived Roman Empire, to fulfil his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman whom thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth, the city that sits on seven hills, back in verse 9. Rome, R.C. And, and God's going to add his bit too with earthquakes and everything else in the whole thing. And so, mystery Babylon, is it a mystery to Christians? No, because it's been revealed. And all these other mysteries that we've looked at, they're not a mystery to us who know the Bible. A mystery in the Bible, in the New Testament, is something that was concealed in the Old Testament, now is revealed in the New Testament. And so, being aware of that, God holds us responsible to take a stand on truth, the truth of his word. And I pray that we do. And thank you for coming to church. Thank you for inviting others, as you mentioned. Pray for the, the people that come. We had a couple I was trying to find out there um, if any other people talked to them. They were sitting just back there and next to, I think they were next to you, were they? Behind, in front of you. And um, <clears throat> they've been around. They're looking for a church in Australia for four years, you said. And um, they've just moved here a few days ago from last Sunday. And so they're looking around. Pray that they do come. You know, either they'll come here and they'll say, too old-fashioned. I used to go to a church like that 50 years ago. <laughs> or they'll, they'll come here and say, that's what I've been looking for. <laughs> and I'm glad when people do see it that way. They, you know, if they have the spirit of truth in their hearts, they just go click <laughs> like that and they know they know from the bible and their convictions that that would be right and i'm not building us up but i'm saying thank you for taking a stand being different well we'll be so different we are so different already that there is a noticeable thing when people look